And I, I would also ask that you continue to pray, especially that the Lord would send out workers into the harvest. We need a new generation of missionaries. We need young people who are willing to leave their comfort zones and to go to places that need to hear about Jesus. And it begins with local churches like this. It begins with your investment in the lives of young people. And I I am grateful that we have had the opportunity in these last few years to work with young people who have come to work alongside of us. And I see a spark, I see a commitment, I see that there is, you know, even though the rest of the culture says, no, 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 no. But I see there's a commitment there. And we need to encourage them to do so. So that's your task. It's your task to bring up the young people, children, young people, with the knowledge and the heart for mission that God wants to use every single one of us, whether it be here or over there, whether it be in our workplace, here, or over there. And so I would encourage you to to not say, oh, no, no, that's too hard. Or say, that's for somebody else. I don't know. But it's all of us. It's all of us working together. And that's why I like being a Southern Baptist. Because we're working together to do what's the most important thing that God, that Jesus left us to do. Now, I don't know if you have noticed... The world is on the move. The world is on the move. Just among displaced peoples, there are more than 83 million that have been forcibly displaced from their homes. And it could be just to other parts of their country, or it could be displaced to other countries and other places. And it's, it's kind of interesting to me that three out of the four couples that are here this weekend are working with displaced peoples and with immigrant peoples. It is a big thing that is happening now. It's come on, on the radar. It is Syria. It is Afghanistan. Now, Ukraine, we've been working with Venezuelan uh, displaced peoples. And just in our context, more than 8 million Venezuelans have left their country and are now spread all over the world. And we need to say, why? And what is God up to in that regard? And let me tell you that it, this is not new. Matter of fact, if we look at the scriptures, and I'll read one verse, Acts 8.1. It says, And Saul was there giving approval to his death. To whose death? Stephen. He had just been martyred, the first martyr. 
And it says, On that day a great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Immediately, after Stephen was stoned, that kind of emboldened those who were against the way, against the followers of Christ. And they came upon them, and they were scattered. Then Acts continues on. Follows Philip, who goes down into Samaria... And there among the Samaritans, he begins to proclaim that Jesus is the Messiah. Proclaims that Jesus is the Savior. And those who the Jews consider half-breeds, low class, begin to respond to that message. And the Holy Spirit comes on those people, just like it did in Jerusalem with the Jew, believing Jews. Then we see other stories. Peter going up the coast, and he has a vision of a cloth coming down from heaven with animals that they don't eat, that the Jews don't eat. And the voice from heaven says, take, kill, and eat. And in, in Venezuela, it would say, guacara. Uh. No, not that, no. We've never eaten that. But yet God said, what I have declared clean you know, you can eat it. And, and, and Peter's, you know, it happened three times, and Peter's scratching, and he says, what does this mean? But yet, God has spoken to a Roman, Roman soldier, official, who had a heart for God, and says, send for Peter. And he does, and Peter comes and crosses a threshold where Jews had not crossed, going into the home of a Gentile, going into the home of the one who had conquered them, who the Jews believed were unclean. And he realized that vision was God telling him, you are to cross cultural, religious, language barriers in order to take the message of Christ to those who have not heard. So God, and, you know, and so we got to hark back to, to what was it that Jesus said to, to his disciples? What was his last... Uh, instructions to them. Matthew 28. Jesus says, all authority has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of what? 
all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them everything that I have taught you. And then with Acts 1, where he tells them, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, some Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So these are the things that are what's driving the movement, the movement of God's people. And sometimes it happens by strategy, by a conviction that we are to take the gospel and send missionaries and go across the street and do everything we can so that our neighbors and those around us can hear about Christ. And sometimes he uses other methods to push the believers out. And in this case, it was persecution. And if we go to chapter 11, there's, a, there's a, something I love where it says in, in verse 19, Now those who had been scattered by the persecution in connection with Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, Antioch, telling the message only to Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. Another example how God pushed his people out. You know, as part of that persecution, they started going. And instead of going like, oh, woe is me, oh, I'm having to leave my, my family, having to leave my home, and they say, it's, oh, this is an opportunity. This is an opportunity for us to be able to share with people that we don't know about. And they're going to hear the same good news that we've heard. Now, it's interesting in that passage where it says many were going out and they were only speaking to the ones who were like them. Spoke their same language, had their same religion. But, it, and, and this is interesting, it doesn't even name who these are, but they were saying some crossed the barrier and went to talk with those who were not like them. Didn't speak the same language, didn't have the same culture, were very different from them, but yet they sort of went across the street and said, hey, I'm so-and-so, and I'd like to tell you about Jesus. And God's hand was upon them. So to me, this is, this is something that, that, that is, is sometimes, you know, Southern Baptists have been sending missionaries out for 175 plus years. 
It is a plan and it is a way to say we will follow Christ's instructions to take the gospel out. And I thank the Lord for that. I thank the Lord that we have been faithful in that. There's still a lot more to do, especially as the second coming is approaching and the, and the gospel is getting out. But we must be a part of that. Intentional. Needs to be intentional to take it across the street to our neighbors, to take it to the people that, with whom we work, to love them to Christ and to help them see that Christ is the Messiah, the Savior, the one in whom we can totally, totally trust. And I thank you for the part that y'all have played in that and will continue to play, Lord willing, if we are all obedient, right? But in our case, Robin and I have served, we served 27 years in Venezuela. We saw two Venezuelas. We saw a Venezuela that was prosperous, that was growing and becoming uh, recognized in the world, supplied oil to the states. <laughs> you know, if any of y'all filled up in Sitco, that's a Venezuelan oil. Much of the oil that was coming, you know, coming to the States was Venezuelan. We saw prosperity, and, and, and in 1996, I thought, man, this country's just going up. But then suddenly, political changes brought about a, what began a slow, painful decline to where now Venezuela is one of the least prosperous countries in the Americas. And it is not a, it is a man-made disaster that has caused it. But yet, God continues to work. And through all those up years of upheaval, God continued to be faithful to his people. And because Southern Baptist missionaries, IMB missionaries, planted and worked with the national believers who were coming to Christ, and over the years, a strong church was established in Venezuela. And it was one in which there was a vision to evangelize, to disciple, to plant churches. We had the privilege of being able to serve in an, in an area, eastern Venezuela, in which we saw the island that we served on, it went from four churches to what's now 28 churches. Then we moved to another section of, of Venezuela, and it had 14 churches. And now there's over 120 churches in that area. Is it, was it us? No. It was God raising up men and women who would be faithful in sharing the gospel and discipling and saying, let's push forward. And God was moving, you know, right during this uh, time also where they began to see 
that they weren't just a receiving country of missionaries, but they were also a sending country. And it was so much fun to be able to help train Venezuelan missionaries who are now serving in North Africa, in Central Asia, in Spain. Matter of fact, that couple that, that uh, Gary was mentioning, they were some of our folks that we worked with. She was a member of our church on the island of Margarita. And he was a part of our work in the East. You know, that makes me proud in a good way. <laughs> but God was beginning already to build, send out missionaries. You know, we have a couple that, that we helped get to a, a place in Central Asia where we can't go. And they're serving there. They can't, you know, we can't, but with their Venezuelan passport, they can. So that is God's work in the church and through the church. And that, that vision, God is now using in a very different way. Beginning in about 2016, we'd had, had immigration all along. But then in 2016, the economy just tanked. I mean, it just went down. And people began to leave. In the last, since 2016, we've had more than 8 million Venezuelans leave. Now, it wasn't persecution. But it was that which caused the movement of people out. And I think there's several purposes that God, you know, he doesn't leave anything to chance. He, he uses that which we think is terrible. But as the people are leaving, ministries were set up to where those who had not known the Lord were hearing and were open We've had more opportunities to be able to witness to Venezuelans than we have ever had in Venezuela. You know, you saw the picture, the, the video of the, of the Venezuelan walkers. They get to, to the border. They think they have a little bit of money to be able to, you know, live for a little bit and then you know, find jobs and settle in in Colombia. They find that the money is worthless. So the only thing they can do is either go back, starve in, in Cucuta, the border town, or walk. And some of them have walked thousands of miles to get through Colombia, through Ecuador, down to Peru, and even on to Chile. That's a long ways. And there's a lot of suffering that goes on. But yet, God has made it possible to where all those walkers 
are getting a witness along the way. Because who is it that extends their hand to them? Who is it that helps them? It's believers. That's one of the things I I would tell the Colombian churches. I told them, the mission field is walking in front of your churches. It's working, walking in front of your, your houses. You see them on the streets. That is an opportunity that God has given you to reach out to those who need Christ and who need a helping hand. And that has revitalized the Colombian Baptist churches. They have, the one, there's many of them have woken up and said, what can we do? <laughs> the church that we were members of in, in Bogota, Robin, kind of, she, she calls herself the ransacker of closets. Because we cast a vision for that these Venezuelans who, and just to give you an example, the suffering that they were going through. When they got to Cucuta, which is 900 feet hot, it's tropical. It's, you know, it's what they, they're used to in, in uh, Venezuela. But then, their first 125 miles is, starts up to 11,000 feet. And you get to 7,000 feet and they're cold and we've had, had some come up and he says, it won't get any colder than this, will it? And we say, oh, son, yes. And so that was one need that, that we were, we kind of recruited Venezuelan churches to start sending clothes to be able to hand out warm jackets to, to them. Because most of Colombia is at over 4,000 feet. So most of them have warm clothes. Then the other is setting up ministries through Send Relief to be able to produce 350 pairs of shoes per, per month to be able to hand out on the highway to the Venezuelans because their shoes are shot or, you know, not, not adequate. And as you do that, you express the love of Christ. So, in the movement of peoples, there is now a greater opportunity for them to hear the gospel, more so than in their countries. The testimony of our our folks in Toronto, they have a greater opportunity than the home, home countries of those folks. And we have to see that. But let me share also about, you know, in, in, in chapter 8, it says that the, that the believers were, were thrust out. And in that movement, as they went, they were telling folks about Jesus. And that is happening with the Venezuelans. That is what's happening. Because among those who are, who are in this movement are pastors, are missionaries, are committed Christians, 
And God has a purpose for them. I, I call them constant, circumstantial missionaries. They weren't planning on leaving. But the movement, but the, the needs, and just so many different reasons why they left, they are going out. And the places where they are coming to, because they have a heart for missions already implanted in them, they say, God has brought me here for a purpose. And we are seeing Venezuelans planting churches all over South America, Spain, United States, Mexico. There is a group of Venezuelans in the hardest section of Mexico to, to witness and to share. And they are starting churches in that area. So we can't say, oh, poor them. They are now being faithful to where God has placed them and put them. And that is what happened in Acts. The persecution thrust them out. But God used that to take the gospel all over. And in that passage that I've read in Acts chapter 11, the church of Antioch was established. And from the church of Antioch, Paul and Barnabas were called out to take the gospel to Europe. And eventually, the gospel got to us. So God moves people for his purposes and for his glory. Sometimes it's painful. No, not sometimes. It's painful many times. But God is merciful. God is kind. And he has the end in mind rather than the here and now. Think about Joseph. And this is a story we use with Venezuelans. Joseph, who was betrayed, <laughs> sold into slavery, spent years in servitude and then in jail, and then God brought him out to be an agent of him and a testimony to the Pharaoh. And, you know, when the brothers came who had betrayed him and they were afraid of him because he was now second in command and said, now it's, you know, now we're going to receive our due. And what did he say to them? You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good, for the saving of many. So, that is what we have to see. And it's interesting to me also that when the persecution cast out so many people, it says the apostles stayed in Jerusalem. 
There's many pastors, missionaries that have stayed in Venezuela under very difficult circumstances. And God is using them for the extension of the kingdom in Venezuela. We just came back from Colombia on Wednesday and we had a meeting with the Venezuelan Baptist Convention leadership. And they were sharing the plans and the future of Venezuelan Baptists to be able to continue to extend the kingdom of God in Venezuela and maybe even continue to send missionaries out through the world. Now, is that us? No. It's God at work. God at work. So, I think there's lots of things that we can learn from them. And one of the things I would encourage you, and I'll ask the same question, or I'll point out the same thing that I did with the Colombian uh, brethren. The world is walking in front of our, of us. Immigrants have come from Afghanistan. They've come from India. They're coming from Venezuela. Are we going to ignore them? Or are we going to do what the Lord has brought them here for so that they can hear the gospel? Now let me give you an example of this. <laughs> we, we were coming on, on a Thursday, changed planes in, in Charlotte, had a problem with the, with the jet bridge, got stuck on the plane for 30 minutes, and missed our flight. So we're go to American Airlines to be able to get a, you know, see what they can do for us. The lady that was with us, that came in right behind us, was with the agent next to us. And she had already, we, Robin had already picked up, she was Spanish speaker, so she started talking with her. And evidently, you know, she, her English was not that good. She pulls out her passport. And I look at it. I said, that's a Venezuelan passport. Sure enough, a Venezuelan coming to Birmingham. So, what are we going to do about it? And you know what's so neat is each one of us has a part in this. It's not just the missionaries. We are all involved in this in one way or another. And I think what the Lord is saying, put your life on the altar, your willingness to serve, and he will use us for his glory and honor. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so very much for this opportunity that you give us. What a special privilege you have given us.
to serve you. What a special privilege we have to be called children of yours. Thank you for Jesus who gave his life on the cross for us. Thank you, Lord, that you and your mercy have decided and wanted us to be in your family. And thank you also for choosing us to be able to be witnesses of that grace and that love and that salvation. Lord, I pray that you would bless this church, this congregation, and that you would use them for your glory and honor, however you want to. So, Lord, I thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Pastor. Paul, thank you for reminding us of the power of the gospel as it goes around the world to all of you who have come, and, but especially those of you who are here today. And maybe you're here and you need the gospel in your own life. You need to know that Jesus came for you. Jesus died for you. Jesus rose again for you, and he wants to inherit. He wants you to inherit everlasting life. And maybe today you need to receive Jesus Christ. And if so, we invite you to. We're going to stand and sing in a minute. I'll be here at the front. Dr. Hutchins will be. We would love to introduce you to Jesus. Or maybe you're here and you're recognizing God is calling you to be part of what he's doing here at First Baptist. Or maybe he's calling on you to simply say, Lord, I want to be one of those who recognizes the people passing in front of me. And I just want to commit myself anew to being obedient. Is there a decision you need to make? As we stand and as we sing, as God speaks to your Holy Spirit, you come. Let's stand together. Let's sing.
Let me ask you to be seated again just for a moment. 